You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. For someone to explain. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Welcome to episode number 41 of the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Paul Clark. Paul is the coach-in-chief with MatchFit Island, a company that looks to integrate all performance elements into every coaching session in order to cater for holistic player development in terms of an athlete's physical, mental, technical, and tactical needs. He also operates the European arm of VX Sport, which is an athlete monitoring system used by some of the world's leading teams to help drive performance-based decision-making. Paul is also a technical and tactical Gaelic football coach in Ireland, and it's a pleasure to have you on the show. So welcome, Paul. Hey, Andy. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no worries. Not uh, the normal guest we get on uh, on the show with uh, your Gaelic football background, but tell us a little bit about your sporting and education background uh, to, to where you're at now. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Um... It's great to be on, actually. Seeing the, the roster of everyone you've had on before, it's, it's pretty impressive. So oh, thanks. Yeah, it, it puts it up to me a little bit. Um, yeah, some really, re, re, some really, really good people there, actually, while we're listening to. Oh, cool. um, but yeah, in terms of myself, um, kind of rewind the clock back a few years, a bit more than a few years, but um, I think playing probably give up on me before I give up on it, if I'm honest. Um, so not, just, not uncommon. Yeah, it happens. It happens. It's a blow to the ego. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think probably around 2001, 2002, uh, a friend of mine just asked me to help out coaching a team. Um, and as it happened, they ended up staying on as their coach. And we did quite well in 2003. And that kind of really just spawned a love of coaching and working with teams and a curiosity around it, really, if you like. Um, so I've been kind of coaching teams, you know, at various levels, ages and grades from kind of under 13 right up to elite adult since that period around say 02, 03, right up to today. Um, you know, in terms of my own background, you know, I've got a degree qualification from a strength and conditioning point of view, obviously, you know, technical, tactical coaching of all those years experience at that. And then, as you mentioned, say with VX sport, the whole sports science angle. So to a greater or a lesser degree, I'm, I'm quite self-educated over the years. Um, and that, that's probably just spawned from a curiosity more than anything else, um, just around the whole performance piece and, and why performance actually happens and why it doesn't happen as the case may be and trying to figure that out and, and just, you know, ask clever questions. And then that brings you down different rabbit holes, the science rabbit hole, the coaching one, the, the strength and conditioning, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so as part of that then, probably around six, seven years ago, in earnest, um, pulled together the, the match fit business just to really, I suppose, give give practical expression to that and 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 have an outlet for that. So rather than just being pure coaching or pure strength and conditioning, it's, it's taking performance and working with teams and or coaches to understand the needs of their their particular performance needs and, and which of those physical, mental, technical, tactical silos needs to take preference within their setup, within their budgets, within their constraints, within their needs. So that, that can be quite interesting in itself. It's, it, it can be quite varied. So, I mean, you're talking to coaches all the time, but, but I guess everybody's got a different setup and different needs. Oh, that's great. And we'll, we'll definitely we'll spend quite a bit of time on your work with MatchFit and uh, VX Sport in a minute. Um, and what, what about your current coaching with, uh, with Gaelic football? What, what's, your, what's your current role? And- 
right now I'm working with a pretty high level club here in Ireland. Um, so the, the, the team is a quite in, in a transition period, if you like. It's it's quite a lot of young guys have to be introduced to the to the, the top level team, which is an interesting kind of challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, plus I'm working with a top level ladies football team as well, which is uh, it's a different dynamics the first time I worked with ladies. So that's um, that's been interesting. The rules are slightly different. Um, and I guess you, you've got to adapt a slightly different coaching style as well. Um, so it's it's been fun and it's been it's been quite interesting. There's no question about that. So they're predominantly the hands-on pieces that I'm working with mm-hmm. uh, in terms of coaching, and then obviously just working with coaches and on true coaching workshops, etc. And there's one club in particular I'm working with. They've 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 pulled together their own long-term player development plan. So it's it's working with those guys to say, well, look, it's it's great having this plan, but how do you give it some kind of practical expression? Mm. So you know, it's it's one thing having the gun; you need bullets in the gun, if you like to to use the phrase. So it's it's kind of work with the coaches there to say, okay, you know, on a on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, wh- what are the the boxes that need to be ticked all along the way to stay true to your longer term plan? Um, I think the longer term plans can be quite daunting when you read them. Yeah. But, it's a bit like you know how do you eat an elephant bit by bit? It's <laughs> exactly. it's, it's, treat, it's treating it like that and bringing yeah. it down. To, it's it's almost bringing it down to a very very micro level, down mm. to a pure session level, and, and understanding that every session can make a difference and, and and absolutely needs to make a difference, really. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Oh, that's that sounds awesome. And um, from your from your coaching experience, obviously living in Ireland, you you're exposed. Uh, on a daily basis to rugby and um you know I, I love watching other sports and just seeing like little potential kind of crossover skills and you know areas of decision making um and i see lots when uh when you when you do see gaelic football what what are some areas you you see that coaches could maybe tap into those with maybe a gaelic background or those who just might want to go on youtube and check out gaelic football and and try to get some ideas from and from another sport yeah, I think I mean it, it's something I've looked quite closely at myself as um, as you know as over the years you kind of see the rugby skill set coming up a little bit. Mm. Um, you know, you, you kind of get a bit curious about that. No more different than looking at basketball and understanding you know how those guys learn and and earn the right to perform their skills at a high level all the time. But I think when I look at rugby, there's probably a few elements to it. I suppose that the technical element from the point of view of passing, catching, kicking, etc. The kicking piece, I suppose, because most rugby players in Ireland are at some stage will play Gaelic football, mm-hmm. they, they possibly are more comfortable with kicking the ball, which could, you know, with, with, a, with a forward-thinking coach, introduce a new dynamic to the game. So you could have kind of a lot of John Eels kind of characters yeah, yeah, decide, deciding, to, deciding to kick the ball, which I think will be no bad thing in terms of changing things up. Um, there's also obviously the, the passing element, albeit that we pass with a striking element, but it's, it's off left and right. And a big one, I think, you know, for the global rugby game and, and coaches globally is catching, overhead catching. Mm. Um, I think sometimes, you know, we take it for granted here, but you look at some other themes, teams and, and they, they kind of struggle a little bit with that element of it. Yeah. They're, they're a bit reticent around catching overhead. Um, I know South Africa a number of years back had a Gaelic football coach over for a period to, to coach them around that. Um, I think the thought he was half mad. He started off with balloons. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, he, he, he had them in. He had them indoors first off, and he had them catching balloons to time their to time their run, which was interesting. It's a it's a different perspective. It's a, it's bringing regression to a fairly fine point. Yeah. But uh, I can so I can yeah. I can just imagine Backy's boat 
doing uh, doing that drill. That'll be fun. Yeah, it'd be a fairly hard <laughs> sell, I guess. <laughs> a know, few pop balloons, I'd say. If he tells you he's not going to do it, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry, go on. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's like the, the obviously the ball handling and the kicking um, is something from a from a um, from a technical point of view, and protect mm. particularly bilateral kicking. Mm-hmm. The ability to go off both sides can really could really really open up a game of rugby. Um, I think then from a tactical point of view, going back to the kicking itself, the execution of um, probably executing a crossfield kick. Mm. Um, accurately and often is a potent weapon. I mean, I think you probably would have seen, you know, over the years, Roland O'Gara using it quite a bit. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Shane Horgan benefited a few times from that. Like Shane mm-hmm. would have played rugby or played Gaelic football to a very high level up to he was 18 years of age. And right. then obviously he had to pick between one and the other. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he, there was two, three very famous match winning tries from Shane Horgan as a result of that tactic. You know, you have a guy that's a winger that's six foot four, six foot five, that can catch a ball overhead. He's been brought up doing it. It would be, in some ways, foolish not to not to use that Absolutely. weapon. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I think, you know, whilst whilst you're brought up doing it, uh, and it's it's a skill in itself. I, I sometimes think that you know, especially at club level, where 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 coaches have a little bit more time with kids, that they could coach that into them over over a long period of time. It's not something they're going to pick up in a season mm-hmm. or two seasons, but over a period of time. No more than any skill, really. I guess yeah. they pick it up. Plus, it, it gives them a, a wider tapestry to to go after in terms of what they're going to do during a match and be a bit more unpredictable. Mm. So, you know, I think I think we might touch on it later on. I mean, around around coaches and setups that have say lesser budgets, if you like. Um, certainly, I think that's that's something that that those coaches could could really look towards as being a bit more unpredictable, for want of a better phrase. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just while you're talking about this, I'm thinking like I, I can easily see coaches being able to do this as you know the the warm up game or a cool down game is a you know a modified game of Gaelic football with some some constraints uh, added in that you know maybe an overhead catch scores extra points or, or something along those lines. Yeah, I mean I know myself like I mean very often in terms of coaching the guys better support play off the shoulder. We'll use touch rugby in our, in our sessions. Mm-hmm. Because you, if you don't if you don't support properly, you're not you're not you're not going to succeed in that game, you know. So that's that's kind of a crossover there that I use, um, you know. And there's other things there, say other forms of rugby like kind of tag rugby and and, and looking for space and trying to punch space and defences that kind of thing. Um, that's that's very pertinent to our game. So I think there's there there is the opportunity there for a lot of cross pollination. There's no no question about that. I think it's been interesting as well with certain teams in, in world rugby that. I wouldn't say they've got smaller. I don't mean that, but they're, they're certainly maybe not focusing on collision as much yeah. as yeah. avoiding collision, which I think is something that that we've kind of had in our game. Our game's more of a contact game than collision game, um, but cert- certain teams started to beef up quite a lot. Um, I think that they found that it's possibly not the way to go in our game, um, you know. So and it goes back to the, the the bilateral ability. The best players in our game can move well off both sides. Yeah, but you know, no, no different to rugby. But I think there's there's possibly more players in our game can move off both sides than than rugby. Some of the special guys in rugby can, mm. you know. But um, again, I, I go back to coaching kids and youth youth players that they are very coachable qualities. Yeah, exactly. And if if someone was to try and track down some resources for for their uh, for their sessions or just some starting points or ideas, what would be some good uh, good uh, online sources that you could direct them to? Um, 
I guess the you know for a starting point, um, you know if they just type into into YouTube University, yeah. Um, if they go to YouTube, Jen, and 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 they just type in Gaelic football skills, Gaelic football coaching, Gaelic football workshops, there is quite a bit there. Now, now probably no no different to any other game. Mm-hmm. That you know they're they're varied in terms of quality, but as a starting point, you know decent coaches will sift through this this kind of stuff pretty quickly in terms of what's really good, what's what's okay, and what's just average, you know, and I think that they, they, they will find some little gems in there um, if they just, you know, as I said, just search through YouTube. Um, equally, probably the, the GAA, which is the Gaelic Athletic Association, the website there, mm-hmm. there's some material there as well. Um, or if anybody, I guess my my email address will be on your site later yeah, on. And if, any, if anybody wants to email me, I'll, I'll dig out some stuff and send it on to them. Um Probably not, you know, it's probably not going to be dramatically different to rugby, but mm. at the same time, you're only looking for, you know, hints and little pushes and nudges exactly. here and there. And it's, it's, you know, yourself, it's, it's like a it's like a ball of moss. It just gathers as it goes on. Mm. It gathers momentum and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think the knowledge that we all need is out there now with the Internet. You know, it's, you know, every bit of knowledge you'll ever need is out there. Every bit of wisdom you'll, you'll ever need is out there. It's just it's really kind of just mining for it properly and. And, and just, you know, tapping into other people's knowledge to say, well, what, what have you found that works? Okay, great. All right, well, um, we'll, we'll change tact a little bit here. Um, one, of, one of the reasons I got you on the show was um, I read uh, an article you, you put out on LinkedIn uh, titled, Ready, There Is No Substitute. And in this article, it's a short article, and I'll put the link up on the show notes so listeners can, can have a read because it's, it's really, really interesting. Um, you, you posed a question about are your match day subs and replacement fit for purpose and then you, you go on to talk about uh, some of the, the GPS data that you collected on, on one particular substitute. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, uh, that article and what you found from it? I think it's, it's probably, again, part of my own kind of, how would you put it, need state to become a little bit smarter all the time like mm-hmm. some some of the clubs etc that I work with won't be high budget clubs mm-hmm. so you've got to you've got to find these 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 smart ways of doing business that don't really cost all that much yeah. um so you, you take what you've already got and and you use it to rather than generate lots of information and big data generate kind of just little nuggets coaching nuggets of insight so i think just as a coach one of the one of the questions and the people that work with me would oppose was you know do you know what? It seems that it just seems that a lot of our guys that are good in as substitutes aren't having the impact that we like to think they're having. So you see that, say, from just watching the video of a game um, and just some just some simple tagging. And, you know, that's fair enough. That's a what and a how. But you kind of have to figure out why is that the case? So, again, you know, the, the tendency is to monitor the, the guys on the field when you're using, say, GPS systems. Yeah. So. This particular day, we just threw it onto one of the guys we knew that we'd be using as a substitute, um, and really didn't say much more to him. Um, just I kind of forgot he was wearing it, to be honest. Told the guy <laughs> to war- told the guy to warm up, and uh, he went off and he did his usual substitutes yeah, warm, yeah. which was shall we've we say all, less. We've than, all done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> less than adequate, shall we say? Um, you know, and it's the usual stuff. He, you know, he tend to warm up and he tears down the line. And he tears back up again, and then he stops and he stretches, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. So, to cut a long story short, the guy comes on, he makes a massive burst, and then dies. Yeah. <laughs> and he's very much up and down, up and down, up and down after that. And I suppose when when I really looked at that that 
I suppose, data, if you like, and, and the pattern there kind of said, Jesus, you know, this guy was being brought on to make a difference for our team in a key position and, and, and bring some energy to a position where the guy that was coming off was, was jacked effectively. He was tired. Mm. And he did anything. But and I kind of went, well, really, I mean, if I'm really honest, we effectively had 14 players in the field instead of 15 for a key part of the game. So, you know, it kind of, it forces you to turn the mirror inwards. And I said, well, look, is, whose fault is this? Is this, is this the, the guy, the player? You can, not really. He'll, he'll only do what he's told to do or mm. what he's shown to do, if you like. Mm. So I suppose it, it turns the mirror back on us as coaches to say, is this an area we can really make a difference quite simply without big resource? And it is. I mean, it, it was re- it's just really a matter of having, for want of a better phrase, a substitute's prescribed warm-up. Yeah. Um, that the guys know and understand and just carry out, you know, I suppose with a degree of difficulty at the start, but like everything else, it becomes habit mm. and they just, they get on with it then. I think ideally, if you have a slightly bigger staff or you can access a student, an intern, something that that's looking for some work experience, they can handle that for you on match day. Um, I think in our game, in Gaelic football, you, you tend to have to be everything if you like you, you are a coach you are a strength and conditioning coach you are a sports scientist um mm. possibly in rugby you possibly have access to to a couple more people that could actually fulfill you know those needs for you because i think certainly in rugby you know where, where substitutions have got so important tactically um to have a guy coming onto the field that's not fully prepared and robust to the demands of the game and hasn't got himself worked to to, to that high intensity level you know, is he really going to make a difference for you? He might one in 10, one time in 10, just out of pure luck. But I think generally, most of the time, it ain't going to happen. Mm. You know, he's not, he's not going to be, to, you, to excuse the pun, he's not going to be warm to the demands of the game physically, possibly mentally. Um, you know, and, and he's going to need that little breather after being in there for two or three minutes, which, yeah, which, which just won't cut it. Nah. It just won't cut it, you know. Nah. And again, if you, if, you, if you happen to make two or three changes at the one time, well, then, then you're looking at a completely different, you know, set of pictures because you have three guys in the field that are in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've been well, on there. I, I know it happened to Ireland at one stage. I think not. I think it was the not the last time they played the All Blacks in Dublin. I think the time before. Um, I think it was noticed on video what the substitutes were doing or not doing. They came, yes. yeah, they they lost in the final minutes there, right? Like, we're, yeah, we're not, yeah, we're talking two two seasons ago, right? Yeah, two seasons yeah, ago, yeah. yeah. Last, the, the guys, the, the, the New Zealand just yeah, chased it down the last yeah, minute and yeah, got, right. a, or got a conversion. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was just interesting that, that, that they picked up on it, at that, even at that level, that the substitutes weren't doing what they're supposed yeah, to do yeah uh, i think on the other on the other side of things too i think that was one with the wallabies in the the build-up to the 2015 rugby world cup that was one of their hallmarks was their subs were coming on and really like noticeably lifting the the tempo and the performance of the team and so obviously they they had something going there as well yeah i think it's it's just you know it's a rising tide lifts all boats mm. you know if you're beginning to flag and a new guy comes in beside you and he's he's going hard you're going to you are going to keep up yeah. you know you you just especially especially the type of player those guys are at the top level you know that the feed off that type of thing but but i guess even at at, at lower levels people people are human they, they they feed off the example and, and the energy that other people bring just as equally as they feed off bad energy. So it makes sense to have some kind of a strategy in place. So just the last, last one on that, uh, the, the, the 
getting the subs prepped. What what would be some recommendations for coaches out there to for that? You you mentioned like a player led kind of uh, substitutes warm up that they know by do halfway through the season they know by heart. But what would be some recommendations you could give for for rugby coaches there and on something how how that would look? Yeah, to keep it kind of simple, I guess you know without spending too much time and even though it is quite important and, and the guys understand it and buy into it. I think broadly speaking, I mean, they'll have done their mobility work, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, in, the, in the, the warm-up with everybody else pre-game. I think during the game, then, it's a matter of, of keeping limber. And in rugby, where substitutions are a little bit more planned, perhaps, um, you know, sure, there's injuries from time to time. But, you know, when guys have a good idea of what part of the game they're going to come in, at that stage, you're really kind of saying, right, what's the need state there? It's high intensity. It's repeated sprint, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, so it's getting, obviously, you know, the, the, the body temperature is going to be up a bit. You're just getting that a little bit higher. You're getting heart rate up. You, you, you're getting the body adapted to repeat sprints over short bursts, 5, 10, 15 meters, just mm-hmm. gradually progressing, progressing, progressing with you know rest periods in between. And then the rest period gets a little bit shorter, interspersed with just some dynamic work um, you know, and, and just very maybe light plyo activity. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's no different possibly to what guys are doing in their warm-up anyway. So it's just taking a small chunk of that and saying, okay, guys, you know, here's the five or six things that we do in our substitutes warm up. Um, and that's, it keeps it quite simple. It can be put on a piece of laminate in the, in the dugout. So guys, mm. you know, just stuck up a blue tag. So guys understand and they'll, they'll get to know it. I guess it's probably a little bit clunky for the first week or two, mm. but then, you know, after a while, like everything else, it becomes habit. Yeah, great. Okay, that's great advice. And yeah, I've definitely taken a bunch of notes down on that for my for my own coaching for sure. Okay, so um, moving moving on again, um, you we mentioned in the introduction um, the the company that you're involved in, Match Fit, and your role with V Export. Can you give a general description of of what that is? Yeah, um, I suppose explained what Match Fit's all about, really. Um, the VX Sport piece is really around, I suppose, the, the science element of it as well. And mm-hmm. also, I suppose, increasingly bringing science into coaching um, from, from a few points of view, really. I think for a number of years, systems like VX Sport, GPS systems, we'll call them athlete monitoring systems, they were probably seen as being the, the, the reserve of the elite level teams. Um, but I guess as time goes on and, and technology becomes more prevalent, prices come down and people... At, at all levels and grades, most of our business is done outside of the elite tiers, actually. People right. at all levels and grades are actually seeing that, you know what, this is an investment we need to make. And it's an investment for the player's point of view from, you know, things like player welfare and injury prevention and learning about thresholds and where guys sit in regard to that. And also from the performance point of view. So when I speak to coaches and, and obviously kind of the, the people, that, the science staff that work with coaches, just, you know, it's a matter of saying, look, guys, we're generating lots of data and lots of information here, but you know we need to really generate smart coaching questions to pose to this data, which is a bit of an anomaly, I know, but asking questions of data, but using the data to answer a coaching question. So a bit like what you said there with the substitute example, um, you know, again, a question I'll frequently get is from coaches, look, well, we tend to start games quite slowly. What's going on there? Um, and, we don't really, I don't really look at the game data there. I look at the warm-up data. So we analyze the warm-up and look mm-hmm. at that from the point of view of volume and intensity and, and see does it match up to, at any stage, match speeds and match intensity. And, and if I'm honest, quite often it doesn't. So effectively, the guys are still warming up in the first 10 minutes. So that's, that's an example of, of where 
VX Sport is is kind of really helping coaches. Um, obviously, it's it's there as a, as a tool for sports scientists, etc., and strength and conditioning people to to pass on the the information and the insights and work with coaches in terms of having guys physically prepared, identifying worst case scenarios in in the particular sport to see what is the worst thing that the player will go through in a match mm-hmm. in terms of physical demands, and then we look at our sessions and say, you know, are our sessions gearing players towards these demands or are we just bringing them within five or ten percent because if we are we're not truly preparing them so i guess rather than being a big brother for players looking to see what are they doing or they're not doing it mm-hmm. it's a, it's a chance for for coaches to legitimize and validate their coaching and also say for for fitness staff to i suppose i won't say legitimize what they do but to to help themselves in regard to to, to proving that what they're doing is effective. Um, you know, I think when you read online, Andy, you, you hear a lot a lot of guys going and going, geez, you know, there's no real way I can I can show that what I'm doing is working. And mm. well, I actually think there is. You know, I think you can measure the demands of a game. You can you can then show that what you're prescribing in terms of training load is adequate for that. And therefore then prove that what you're doing is effective and efficient. Um, in terms of performance enhancement, enhancement, in terms of lowering injury risk and injury rates, therefore. So, you know, I think as an all-around tool, um, I think something I, obviously I'm biased, but, you know, any system such like VX Sport, I think it's it's um, it's a hugely good investment. If you break it down over a number of years, it's great. And not just for adults. I think you, I see it a lot with youth players that are subjected to kind of adult watered-down adult programs. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly if they've got a couple of different sports going on, knowing what load those guys and girls are going through is, is, is absolutely vital, especially at that kind of growth sport age that they're going through 14, 15, 16. Um, you know, I think very often, you know, 15 year olds kind of get treated like half a 30 year old mm. in some, in some ways. And, and that's not quite the case. So I think when we can kind of really, really take a, a good look at, at what kids are doing vis-a-vis the demands of their game at their age, and then have progressive programs in place that we say, well, look at the loading that they're going through is actually spot on. No different to adults, really. Mm. Um, the same, the same mindset, and I think that's that's really, I suppose, what what my business, you know, working with VX tries to bring to that party is to say, you know, I'm not, I suppose, pulling these notions out of the sky that I recommend to coaches and clubs that are saying, look, at this is based on not only experience, but it's based on good science and good information, and then out of that, then mix that with the need states of people of teams clubs and players and and arrive at a solution that that's workable yeah i, th- I think um, just looking at your website one of the things that i liked is how you you kind of package it in you, you call it the five eyes model um and you kind of package it that way and um can you explain that a little bit and i'll also put one of the youtube clips up on on the website as well but yeah how how you work that into the weekly weekly training cycle yeah, I think um, the the five eyes thing is just really it's it's kind of like a a just a small guide really for coaches that are get involved and in dipping the toe in monitoring or even if they've been monitoring for a while. I mean, I think there's the big data tendency just create reports and reports and reports, but we've got to get a wee bit smarter than that. I think so. You know, the five eyes thing is really based around kind of investigating number one. You know, what are the great questions we need to ask? We can, as I said, from video analysis, which is wonderful, we can see what happens and how it happens, but we need to figure out, you know, why is this happening? So we need to come up with these good coaching questions that are pertinent to our setup and our needs. The information piece then, which is the second eye, 
is effectively just capturing the information that will then help us answer those questions. Um, so systems like VX or similar, something like that, that's, that's where you gather your data, gather your information. The next piece then is to, is to interrogate that information. So sure, you're going to generate reports, but really, in what direction are we going to pull those reports? So if we, if we look at reports as like a funnel, mm-hmm. we can have big, broad reports that tell us lots, or we can just start funneling down, 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 down to the finer, finer details. Yeah. So if you take, say, um, as an example of that, at a high level, which is a good example, um, Nick Gill with, with, uh, with uh, New Zealand, Mm-hmm. Uh, New Zealand Rugby Union, like those guys there, I think they really, really focus on three to four pieces of data out of their reports. Right. Everything else, of course, they 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 observe and they have a look at, but there's three to four what they call nuggets, key key nuggets for those guys that they really really focus in on a day to day basis. You know, and and you often hear it said that the the people at the top are at the top because they keep things very simple. That mm-hmm. that's a pretty good example of of interrogating data there. So it leads you then on to the fourth eye, which is the insight. So you interrogate it to the degree that you generate an insight out of that then. Now the insights, again, to use the phrase, are these little coaching nuggets that you go, they're, they're, they're almost like your aha moments where you kind of begin to understand things a little bit better. The problem that you once had, once you haven't it solved, you're understanding why it's happening. Mm-hmm. And at that stage then, you begin to, the, the final eye is to implement then, you implement your insight. So what did what 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 were the little nuggets we took out, and now how can we bring that into our sessions on a daily basis? So how can we, how can we um, coach these new insights? I suppose is, is probably the the best yeah. phrase. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. One of one of the buzzwords going around kind of at, at the moment is tactical periodization. Like this sounds yeah. very similar to what you're talking about there. Yeah, I think it is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Um, I think it, on, on in the internet now you have to have buzzwords, <laughs> yeah. little acronyms or something with, with a hashtag and all that. Yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to have all that kind of stuff. But I think <laughs> um, you know it's the, the tactical periodization really is is what I would view as common sense. Mm. Uh, um, you know, it's time management number one, uh, and it's focus number two. So it's using your time wisely. It's using it in a very, very specific manner, in a very planned manner. Mm-hmm. So you know what you want out of your week's work broken down by session. So you effectively reverse engineering and then you're planning out every minute. I mean, it's, I guess it's probably been in vogue in, in military circles for a long, long time in terms of, you know, tactics planning mm-hmm. and campaign planning. They'd probably laugh and say, Jesus, we were doing that 100 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it, it works well. And what it means is that, the big, big benefit of it, of it is, Andy, is that that all the staff can work together. The whole, the wider performance staff don't suddenly operate in silos anymore. As in, we've got a fitness coach, we've got a tactical coach, we've got this, and they don't really ever talk. Mm. Whereas with this approach, everybody talks because the games that you use, say, in your training to to meet the need of let's say better defense or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. they've got to come with a certain training effect from a physical point of view. So, you know, the, the tactical coach has to speak to the physical coach to say, how can I manipulate this game to give the mm-hmm. physical effect that's required? Then also the decision-making, et cetera, et cetera. And then the technical, the skill execution within that. So all of a sudden you're using your hour very, very efficiently. Mm-hmm. You can you can really look at the players and say, look, guys, from a physical point of view, you're getting this we're focusing this tactically, especially on this skill and this piece, you know, decision wise, here's, here's the decisions we need you guys to execute. 
So it's quite easy to, once it's easy, it's easier to evaluate your, your session and your games and your drills at that stage um, to see it really are they giving us what we need vis-a-vis the demands of the game. Okay, great. All right, well, you, you touched on it earlier. Um, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of coaches will be listening to this and just really licking their lips and, and wanting to get stuck in straight away. Uh, others might be might be thinking, well, we've, we've got you know fairly limited resources, both financially and staff wise. Um, what what do you think uh, the the latter could be doing? Uh, you know, they still want to get performance benefits out of their group. Um, how how do you think uh, the latter could could approach it? Yeah, I think I mean you know I've I've been and I've, I've walked in those shoes myself, so you know I, I know where the guys are coming from. Um, you know, I've kind of seen the two sides where you have a good bit of money to spend. And then we just really don't have any money to spend. And but I think, you know, the starting point, regardless of, of resources, is behaviours. And you use that term that's widely used online now, culture. You know, and and really for me, culture is just defined quite simply: the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah. That's effectively it. So it's bringing in those behaviours into your into your performance setup that mean that everything we do here, you know, is done to a high standard, as high a standard as we possibly can. Now that's behavioural, it's attitude, you know, and, and it doesn't really require much money. It's just setting standards, setting, you know, setting, you know, accountabilities, responsibilities, that kind of thing. So I think as a very much a platform for, for a performance pyramid, if you like, that's that's a key one. And it doesn't have to cost any money. It's just really about the players as a group knowing how they want to be viewed by the outside world, which is effectively then going to define their behaviours to, to meeting that. And then, you know, does that meet with what the coach thinks is, is achievable and possible and what, what he needs and what his coaching staff require from that point, from the behavioural point of view, attitudes, etc. Um, I think second to that then, you know, in terms of, you know, putting a performance programme in place with, without, without much money, you can really do, you know, do, do, a, do a needs analysis on your sport quite simply. Um, there's quite a bit of information online, quite a bit of research online that, Yes, it does require a bit of the digestion, all right, but you can, broadly speaking, come up with, with a needs analysis for your sport that then will inform what you're going to focus on on a daily, weekly, monthly basis mm-hmm. within, your, within your, your, your training and coaching um, set against the needs of the players and where those guys are at. Um, so I think that's, that's something else that can be done. Um, you know, from the coach's point of view themselves, um, I think I mentioned earlier on, like for me, all the information you'll ever need, all the wisdom you'll ever need, all the mistakes that have ever been made are out there online right now. Um, mm. Sure, you don't get your degree, your master's, your PhD with this stuff online, but you know, in the world where where resources might be tight, the information is out there, the insights are out there. You know, people like me that are at it, whatever, 15, 16 years, have made any amount of mistakes that other people shouldn't have to make really um and, and you know they can be shared online and it's only it's only really to keep you a half a step ahead of your players and that's all you ever need to be you don't need to be two three four steps ahead just a half step ahead of, of where they're at and what they need to know next to bring those guys on and on and on because i think a lot of people speak about long-term player development mm-hmm. it's only as effective as long-term coach development yeah oh, absolutely you know, yeah. and coaches that continually invest in themselves, even a half an hour a day catching up reading, you know, looking at things like Twitter where you can just create lists of, of there's some really good coaches. I mean, podcasts like yourself there. I mean, there's 
there's some there's some top class people there. You know, Bernard Jackman's a really good coach. Mm. Julie Trich is a really good coach. Um, Wade Gilbert in terms of coaching, outstanding. Michael Checa from a different school, but just as effective. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing all these different people, all these different approaches that, that 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 you can plug into and take these little pearls of wisdom from and, you know, for free effectively, bar, bar whatever time you put aside for that. Mm-hmm. So I think that then the next step, that allows you to grow your network yeah. in terms of being able to pick up the phone to these people, jump onto Skype like we're doing, mm-hmm. send an email, et cetera, et cetera. And in that regard, just for me then that allows you to nail the, the 95 percent of preparation i think you know the, the world we live in now everybody wants the extra five percent yeah the, the elusive five percent edge kind of thing well you know there's nothing wrong with just getting the 95 percent right yeah that brings me to um something i heard conor o'shea uh talking about with his role with italy people were talking to him about marginal gains and he kind of laughed at it and said, no, we're not even close to worrying about marginal gains. Let's, let's get them fit and get them skillful and, and good tactics. And that's, then, I think that's we'll it. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, you know, what are the big rocks that, that those guys in their situation yeah. need to nail? And, and it could be fitness, it could be whatever, it could be having guys on development squads, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and, and to a greater or lesser degree, they've got to work within a smaller budget than, than say, England or Wales or even Ireland, I guess. So, you know, they, they have to take that into context as well. Within their pool, even though they have a few quid, mm. they haven't as much as everybody else. Mm-hmm. So there's there's correlations there between, say, coaches at lower leagues that even within a lower league, there's somebody has more money than you. So, you know, you, you've got to operate on a smart level all the time and, and even looking at guys like Conor O'Shea and saying, right, well, what way is he operating? Just forget about the money for a second, mm. the mindset he operates with. You know, he's saying, right, no, no, this marginal gain stuff, lads, leave that for a few years. Let's just take care of the big rocks here first. And then then we'll get onto that stuff eventually, prioritizing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really kind of leveraging the, the needs analysis and saying, look, we've identified these things here as the, as the big bets that are going to give us the big returns. And that's what we're going after. And I think any coach at any level can really do that. Um, you know, and, and the clue, I guess, Andy, without being smart about it is is in the title we can all coach better mm. we can all coach smarter we can all coach harder in terms of saying okay we might not have as much money but our players can be more skillful because we can coach that they can understand the game better because we can coach that they can bring on predictability because we can coach that mm. you yeah. know and i think once you've got a bag of balls some cones some bibs with different colors i think you're, you're good to go really yeah. No, I think, I think it's it's it is lovely to have the toys, etc. But I guess it's a bit like a Ferrari. It's no good if you can't drive. Mm, absolutely, yeah. No, it's a bit like that. So it's 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 kind of it's it's like the old adage is crawl, walk, run, or crawl, walk, jog, run, whatever whatever mm-hmm. order it comes in. But mm-hmm. it's taken in that, and and sometimes too, it's it's quite good fun to not have a big pile of resource and to have yeah. to work out a better way of doing things, a smarter way of doing things. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. All right, great. Well, um, I'll, I'll put all your contact details in the show notes so people can, you know, get get the website information for MatchFit and for for VX Sport and and your email address and and that. What if what if people wanted to follow you on Twitter? What's the what's the best way to do that? Yeah, Twitter's just at MatchFit Ireland, M A T C H F I T Ireland, and just all the all the one word. That's the best way there. And then same uh, on Facebook as well. So I just attempt to to use LinkedIn for just as a kind of a 
an articles repository that almost mm-hmm. like a blog. Um, yeah. That's just out of habit, really. So I tend to put on Twitter when I put up an article. Um, but, you know, absolutely, anybody wants to get in touch, just really about anything, just information, swapping, ask questions, etc. Please feel free. No problem okay. at all. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, we always end the show with the same four questions. Um, when you were a kid growing up um, and you were watching rugby, who, who were some of the players that jumped out at you? Yeah, I loved them. Um, I loved David Campisi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was just, <laughs> he kind of, he was doing things, you kind of, I mean, to me, he was huge, mm. you know, I kind of used to look and go, Jesus, how can he move like that, you know, <laughs> um, like John Eels as well, I really liked just the fact that he could kick, he was a bit yeah. different, he was a huge man, but he, he just could kick the ball with ease, um, Johnny Wilkinson actually was pretty cool as well, in yeah. a different way, he seemed to be a guy that was just getting the very, very most out of himself, he was obviously talented, but it came with savage practice. You, mm. you just knew that. You, you could feel, you could see that intensity about the guy. Um, yeah, Keith Wood. Keith Wood? Yeah, Keith, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Just in terms of, again, that, a bit like John E is just that unpredictability, doing things that he probably shouldn't have been able to do or other yeah. hookers weren't able to do, yeah. but he could do them. No, he revolutionised the position for sure, Keith Wood. Um, and I think just on Johnny Wilkinson's work, work ethic, if you if uh, anyone's ever read his autobiography, Johnny, it's it's unbelievable what what he put himself through on a daily basis. You know? All right, and what about now? Who's a who's a player going around or players going around that you you like like to watch? Um, I have to say, I really like Borden Barrett. Mm. Yeah. Um, he's kind of like he's like one of these guys that's living the dream. <laughs> you know, he's he's kind of like he's play. You see him during games, and he's kind of smiling, and, yeah, and he's, you know, he's he's obviously awfully professional. And he has got that flair as well. He's got he's got serious speed. Um, he's another guy who played Gaelic football as a young guy. Really? He, he, oh, yeah, wow. his his family came here just actually down the road from where I'm from. Um, they came here. His dad was in. It was something to do with farming. Okay. Farmers from here would go to New Zealand and vice versa. Right. I, I don't know why, but they were here for a few years and he played he played some Gaelic football here. And I'm not putting that down to why he's so good, but oh yeah, but it all counts, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, he's again. It's just, it's just the way he plays the game, and he just the attitude he plays the game with. I think he's he's a pretty exciting, special player. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and what what about coaches? Who who are some high profile coaches you like? Uh, the way they go about their business. Yeah, I th- you know what? I think there's a good few with with contrasting styles. I think we touched on it earlier on. Like Michael Check, he you've really got to respect him and what he's done. Um, you know. Again, he, he seems to have quite an abrasive style, um, but it works. Um, you know, and then you maybe contrast that then with some other guys. You know, you had this guy on as well, Bernard Jackman. Again, a guy who's who wasn't afraid to, I suppose, get out of Ireland and go off into the trenches in another mm-hmm. country, different language, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and, and really earn himself a really good, solid reputation. Um, probably an older guy in terms of coaching, Chris Boyd. That's with Hurricanes. Yep. Yep. Um, I think what they achieved has been huge. Um, they were always the team that should win it, that yeah, should absolutely, win it, yeah. but didn't win it. Mm. You know, and I think getting those guys across the line, despite their their obvious talent, has been a huge, huge uh, achievement. There's there's no question about that. So those guys there, I think they. I mean, there's Joe Schmidt's obviously a really, really good coach as well. Yeah, for sure, Eddie Jones, I'm, I'm curious about. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a level of curiosity there. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, he's probably in that check and mold. Mm-hmm. He's probably more like him than he likes to think. Mm. <laughs> um, so uh, not, I'll not be the one to tell him. No. Uh, no. 
But yeah, I think those guys there, they're all quite different, but you know, they all bring something different to the party and, and that's coaching, I guess, isn't it? That yeah. no, there's no one right way. Mm. You've got to, you've got to, got to dip into different schools and, and pull out of them. Um, and just, just learn really from those people. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Okay. And then final question, who's, who's someone uh, who doesn't have the profile of, you know, Joe Schmidt and Chris Boyd and those types, um, that that's doing good work in, in and around your local community. Yeah, it's it's kind of. I mean, I think if you look at any of the All Ireland League teams here, I mean, I'd, I'd struggle to come out with names to be honest. But you know, those guys are really guys that are that are achieving quite well on on lower budgets. Back, mm-hmm. say maybe in the nineties, early two thousands, they would have had a lot of money, but they they just don't have that now. Um, I think within kind of the professional game in Ireland, Pat Lamb has way 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 overachieved because the budget at Connacht will be significantly less. Mm-hmm than the rest um so you know and then you, you kind of you look around as well i mean i think um ben ryan that was with fiji sevens i think he's going to do some more work with wales yeah uh, um been curious about him he's i guess he had a high enough profile when fiji won the the gold medal at the olympics yeah. but prior to that you know he was kind of under the radar a little bit mm. um you know i think he's an exceptionally smart guy. You know, I don't know the guy or anything, but he strikes me as being being a very, very smart guy. Um, so I think you know other guys that are maybe a little bit under the radar, not close to me here, but Stuart Leerich that you had on there before. Mm-hmm. Stuart's a very, very smart chap as well. Um, he's carved quite a good niche for himself. Yeah, absolutely. No, it was a great chat chatting with Stu, and um, yeah, you're you're right. He's he's uh, he's. He's got a nice little um, area that he's he's an expert in, and uh, he's got some great information to share. All right, well, uh, it's been great chatting with you, Paul. And I, I really uh, really want to thank you for coming on the show, and uh, I've got I've got a, a bunch out of it, especially in terms of uh, you know managing subs and uh, looking at needs analysis and those kind of things. And I'm I'm sure listeners have too. And yeah, I just want to really really say thank you and appreciate you coming on the show and giving up your time. No, not at all, Andy. Look, it's 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 great to talk. It's 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 the one thing in coaching that we're not awfully good at mm-hmm. is kind of forming these kind of communities of practice, yeah. just locally or around the world that don't really cost anything bar a few minutes every day, just to keep in touch and and just disseminate whatever information's out there. And mm. as I said earlier, share mistakes. You know, I mean, yeah. why why should anyone else have to make the ones that I made? <laughs> Absolutely, um, I agree. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, any, any chance to talk in that regard is really good. So appreciate that. Thanks very much. All right, perfect. All right, cheers. Thanks a lot. Thanks. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. You can also follow us on Twitter at RugbyCoachSCNR or via the website at TheRugbyCoachesCorner.com Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.